The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. I love the power. Hi everyone, I am Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. Joining me is co-host, as always, Fishing Rick. How are you, buddy? Oh, those smooth velvet tones. Very, very, very excited. Macca, what about you? Always excited, mate. Always. I'm actually a little bit depressed. Why is that? Well, we went to the Friday game mm. and you were shooting the breeze there and but there seemed to be a general consensus every time a big footy person came up and met me for the first time. And they were like, oh, I thought you were older. <laughs> what are they trying to say? Well, surely that's a good thing, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Am I, do I act old or something for my age on the forums? I don't know. But You sound about 70, so, you know. It's... I'm getting there, yeah. Getting there. Getting there, let's go on to the walk to the park, yeah. All right, but that's me done. Have a good night. See you later. <laughs> good work. And for the first time on the podcast, we are speaking with Sergeant Schultz. Howdy, everyone. Welcome. Nice it's good to be here. Good to have you on. That's the way. Look, as it's your first time here, how about we find out how you became a, uh, a bit of a port supporter? Uh, it's probably part and parcel living down Semaphore way, but my dad was a port supporter back in the day, went to a few SNFL grand finals, and I was going to Largs Bay um, when we entered the AFL, and everyone was just going crazy over football at that time, so it probably didn't have any choice, but I love it. Good stuff. What about, uh, what's your favourite game? Uh, oh, you probably can't go past the 04 grand final, but... The one that sticks out a lot recently is just the elimination final from last year. Like, it's probably perfect football in a lot of ways. Great day, good sun, prison bars. Oh, just everything was perfect that day. It was. It was. Absolutely spot on. And your favourite player? Oh, don't mind Pit Dog. Pittard. Oh! Hey, hey! Come on. Um, But, yeah, I love Pittard Nation is spreading. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever he gets the ball, something happens, either good or bad. But it's just he makes the game exciting. Mm. Good work. That's it. Well, look, let's talk about the trial game. Uh, there was over five thousand people that went along on Friday night to Albert and Oval to the family day uh, to watch the club play its internal trials. More like probably match simulation than a true match. Um, it was probably a, a bit of a relaxed affair. The players weren't hitting the bodies too hard, but. Um, what uh, what impressed you guys about Friday night? I thought the skills like I've been to a few of the pre season sort of internal scratch matches, and I just thought like the skills this year were a lot better than they had been for a pre season sort of trial match. I don't know if you guys felt that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, normally I leave these things wondering if they'd actually touched the football all summer, but the skill level was significantly higher than I've ever seen it at a at a uh, internal trial. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought everything was uh, looked up a notch. Really, everyone's performance was looking pretty strong. They're looking pretty fit. Um, I guess it was hard. I don't know. Must be the old person coming out of me. I, the only thing I was struggling with was working out the players half the bloody time, Naka, just with the uh, changing of the Guernseys and everything else. So I think I lost track of 
who was who because people were saying that well, Andrew Moore had a good game, but I didn't really see him get the ball. Yeah, I saw him get about three kicks, so <laughs> I don't know what happened there. But I, I mean, it, it, that's probably my one uh, uh, criticism of the evening was that a lot of players were in different numbers. A lot of the Magpies guys were in different numbers, yeah. and there were even two or three players that didn't even have a number. So it was pretty hard to work out who was who of uh, of the guys that you couldn't recognise. Yeah, they, they, I reckon they were taking it pretty seriously because there was a knock down the southern end with Schultz and someone else, and Schultz was on the ground for a little while, and I was sort of heart and mouth sort of stuff for a bit. But I don't think they were taking it quite too easily. I think they were trying to prove their point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're not obviously they're not going to take their own um, uh, players out either. Um, but uh, there was enough. I think they tackled hard. They obviously, if someone was backing into the flight of the ball, they're not going to run through them like they would in a game. But um, there was still that physical aggression there, and I thought that was probably one of the highlights for me was uh, Ollie Wine's natural physical aggression at the ball and and getting the ball out. I mean. He's only in his third year, and I wrote a, a little blog on it today. But I mean, his core strength already—you can see why people are, are starting to liken his physique um, to our greatest player in Russell Eberham. Uh, uh, Russell Eberham, or there you go. Nick, <laughs> Nick will be happy in to Russell Eber. But uh, you know, we're not saying that he's that player, but he's got those attributes that sort of remind you of him, and he's probably the closest player in a long time to remind me of uh, Russell Eber. No we, doubt. we took him with about pick six. We stole him. Yep. Pick seven. Pick seven. Huge yeah. steal. Was a steal. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And the thing, he wasn't really overly enjoyed or enthused about coming here and his family in the beginning. And uh, now look at his mum's working heavily with the club, with uh, I think with player um, retention or something like that. And, uh, you know, the, their, their house is sort of holiday destination of choice in the off-season. So... It's an amazing turnaround. You, you'd think he's going to be with us for quite a future, and you'd hope so. No doubt. I mean, he's looking really trim, but also strong as an ox, and you know, he's got great power. He looks super fit. Um, his skill level you know, is on point. He's going to have a massive year this year. Yeah, he's, it's crazy. And he's, I think he's also been working on his tan a bit. He's got a bit of tan going up. <laughs> he's a sexy beast, I've got to say. <laughs> He's, he's very broad because I saw him at the Kersbrook footy oval and I was really surprised like, uh, when he turned the corner. At first, I didn't realise who it was and, and then sort of, oh, shit, it's Ollie Wines. And he's just, he's a big unit. He's like massively broad and, and to think this is his only his third year in the system, uh, it's scary. And I know if we talk about Russell Everhamble, he bangs on about um, the lack of time and ground he's had in the first two years. You'd think that... Uh, dropping his body fat, increasing his muscle uh, muscle weight, um, he'd probably be hopefully getting into the high 70s and 80% this year, which will mean his uh, uh, disposal average probably would go up from 22 to in between 25 and 30, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, most players entering their third year are trying to put on a few kilos, but he's trying to lose a few kilos just so yeah, he can pick right. up his pace. Mm. Mm. No, that's it. Look, along with Ollie Wines, I thought a lot of the big guns... You know, had a had a pretty good evening. You know, Bokey was great. Robbie Gray was arguably best on. You know, Ebert was good. Harlot was good. I thought Westhoff played a really good um, first half as well. And even the next tier down, guys like Pittard, Broadbent, um, Kane Mitchell, Aaron Young looked really, really good. And Polek kicked a couple of absolute ripper goals from 50. Oh, yeah, they were, they were crazy. Like, one on the run from 50 and a set shot, and they were both, like, on pretty high angles. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got a crazy kick. What about Paddy Ryder? 
if he's allowed to play this year or in the next couple of years, he's going to transform our team so much. He had an unstoppable 10-minute period in that second quarter where I think he took three really strong grabs and kicked, I think, two goals. One, he ended up with three or four goals and impressed both in the forward line and also in the ruck as well. I mean, he's just going to be a star. I reckon he could almost play as just a pure forward. Like he's... He could, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's where we might see a fair chunk of him too. I, I think as a forward option, he's going to be preferred to Loby. He's got a more natural mark to him, and I think he showed on the, on Friday that he's got a great uh, low-down grab as well as a high-playing high influence above the, above the head. So... I really like the versatility that he's going to be bringing. I guess my one concern is, Macker, and I said it to you on Friday night, just some of the, and this is only my gut feel, it's not. It's no um, inside info or anything. I haven't been told anything by anybody. Just some of the murmurings and reading between the lines and some of the statements that are coming out by the club, just have the suspicion that they may be anticipating the suspensions might be a little bit longer than what they were originally hoping for. Yeah, I mean, it's possible I've heard... You know, ranging from two games to 12 months. So you never know what's going to happen. Hopefully we find out pretty soon so we can prepare for it. And what will happen then if it is 12 months? Do you think that is really going to threaten our um, quest for a final, uh, grand final appearance this year? I don't think so. No? No. We almost made it last year without Ryder. So Montfries didn't have a very good year last year. So... I don't think it's going to um, derail our season unless we let it. Yeah. Could derail the AFL season a bit if it gets to 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Essendon will be screwed, won't they? They, They've got no chance if if it's a 12-month ban. Yeah. And, you know, if we took took Monfries and Ryder out of it, probably 12 months is really a a fair penalty, to be honest. Well, look, along with Ryder, uh, we'll talk about another key forward, uh, Johnny Butcher. He had a pretty good game, kicked four or five goals. Um, you know, he led well. He marked really strongly away on a, a bit of a smaller opponent for much of the game. Um, his kicking action, still a bit of a mixed bag. It looked really good early on in the first half. Um, but after he started to miss a couple of kicks, you, know, you could almost sense he was going back to um, some bad habits there. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought so. Sorry, Schultz. He... Um... But look, I think it's a positive. He was getting the ball, and his defensive um, aspect to the game was fantastic. So, well, I don't think he's going to be in contention for round one. But uh, what I saw, I think he should be a good presence for SANFL in the beginning, and then push his case. Yeah, he just has to. If he improves his kicking, he'll he'll be a great player because the rest of his game is awesome. Like he's really fast. Like it looked like his hip problems are hopefully behind him. But, yeah, his, that, there was a chase he had against Loby from 30 metres back, and he caught him no problem. Loby's not the fastest, but he's got a lot of pace. I'd agree with that. He did look very, very quick, especially on the lead. You know, he got a lot of space on his opponent, took some strong grabs, took a couple of pack marks, which I haven't seen him do for quite some time. And he ended up with, I think, uh, around about five goals, two, I think. And he, he had a couple of helicopter kicks and typically kicked one out on the full from about 25 metres out. But he had a really good game. The other one that I want to talk about is uh, Johan Wagner, um, the guy that we got from The Recruit, the TV show. He looked absolutely stunning for periods of the match, but looked to run out of steam a, a little bit in the second half. But it was full steam ahead in the first half. His power and pace um, is not unlike Sean Burgoyne. 
Yeah, I reckon he's a bit of a crowd favourite on Friday night. He had a kick at goal from um, under pressure on near the pocket, and the crowd went wild when he kicked. That was probably mm. the loudest cheer of the game. He did one run where he ran about, oh, it must have been about 100 metres full tilt, and he looked ridiculously quick, like the quickest player in our team by a long way. Um, he's just got huge strength through his core. His gut running is fantastic. If he can get himself super fit so that he can actually run out a, a full game at that sort of AFL level, there's no reason why he couldn't press for AFL selection. I was watching the warm-up sprints that Darren Bird just had organised before the game started. And, yeah, Wagner was actually winning, like, one or two of those warm-up sprints. And, like, mm. if, you, if you were told that he was from a reality TV show and he was just a amateur footballer the year before, you wouldn't believe it. You almost get a sense that he doesn't want to be known as some scrubber that just won a competition. He wants to make a bit of a name for himself. Well, he's got the pedigree. I mean, he had played uh, SANFL level, so he's definitely no mug. So yeah, I guess he, he just took the opportunity that presented and good luck to him. And obviously he stood out in the show. I didn't get to see too much of it, but that was seemed to be the general consensus. But yeah, I thought his pace was um, blistering and uh, was going to create a... Uh, uh, it's going to create a great opportunity um, for him in the in the SANFL in the beginning. And I guess it's just going to really come down to how much ball he can get. That's probably the big challenge for a lot of the fringe players, if we call them fringe players. They they don't probably get enough of their own ball at SANFL level. Um, so I'm talking like, uh, you know, Brent, Brendan Archie, um, Wagner, who's coming in for the first time, so he hasn't got that much of a history with it. Um, and then obviously Bird Jones and uh, Amon, that's, they're the players, and even Paul Stewart to a lesser degree. Um, yeah. They're the players that we're going to be looking for to really get their consistency up at SANFL level and, and influence and push for senior selection. What about Brendan Archie, Macker? I thought his second half was uh, pretty good. Yeah, his first half was a little bit disappointing. Seemed to get lost uh, a little bit, but once he changed teams into the black team, um, he looked a lot better in that second half and you know, really controlled that half-forward line pretty well, took some grabs um, and had a play in about four or five goals. Now, what about that controversial guy next to us? It was what he's saying, he's, his head's on the chopping block and he won't be there by the end of this year. I thought that was a bit rough. He'll, I don't really, know who that guy was, mate. I don't know either, but that was, I thought that was a bit rough. I reckon uh, Brendan's still a, a very good chance to... Uh, to be with us for a few more years. I, I'm very optimistic. I thought last at the end of last year, his, uh, his reaction time looked to speed up beyond what you need for SANFL level. We just, I think he's just a confidence player and a confidence guy and, and just needs that going. And he definitely looked a better fit in what I thought was a stronger side in that black top side in the second half. And obviously his performance um, reflected in, with that as well. Yeah. I think he just needs to be a little bit cleaner. He often fumbles his first touch. If he can get that first touch right, um, you know, he could really push for AFL selection as well this year. What did you think of uh, Dougal Howard? Is that the big Rutman? Yeah, he was kind of playing centre-half back and a little bit up forward. Was it, he wasn't, 20, wasn't 25, was it? No, he had no number. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought for a big forward sort of player, he actually like there was a few instances um, down south on the ground where he's actually had quite good skills below his knees, um, mm. going for the ball, and he had a good few second efforts. And a few of the old blokes behind me sort of were talking about him in pretty high praise. So I think I think he's pretty popular already. And with a name like Dougal, I think everyone loves him. Where can you go wrong? 
I mean, honestly. <laughs> I thought he had really good pace, quite a good leap. Um, his marking ability was all right. He uh, he almost took two or three big pack marks. He, he just spilt the ball at the last second. But you know, if he could grab them, um, he could be a bit of a play. He moves across the ground really well for a big guy. I think it was a good decision by the club to draft a whole bunch of tools in the same year. So they sort of push each other. And we've got a guarantee, like one in four, we've got a guaranteed decent forward somewhere coming through. Yep. Well, I still think Logan Austin looked pretty strong with the training I saw last week. I know he's injured at the moment, but he's another one that uh, you just don't know. And it was interesting to see last week, Harvey was training with the defenders for a little bit too. So don't know if they're looking at maybe just doing something a little bit different there with Mitch Harvey. Yeah. He's someone that probably disappointed a little bit um, on Friday evening. I'm, I'm just not sure he's got the athleticism to make it. Um, he's got the skills. I like his marking ability, but it's, it's just Ryan Willett's um, mark two at the moment, I think. Could we take anything out of game plan? I didn't really see much game plan sort of orientated football on, on Friday night. I thought it was just like rapid play on sort of at any opportunity like it was just yep. almost a bit kamikaze football lots of handballs lots of handballs behind the play and you know lots of run i thought it was all right it was pretty much just a, a slight adjustment on what we were doing last year i thought the other person that i want to probably talk about a little bit was carl amon he's probably been the most talked about person on our list um this pre-season but i thought he disappointed a little bit just didn't seem to get anywhere near the football who was that carl amon yeah, well, he's been pumped up all pre-season, isn't he? He probably was on a hiding to nothing because everyone's been pumping his tyres. And I guess this is where it's really hard because there, were, there wasn't the structure and the, the four-quarter positioning that you're going to get now that the NAB Cup games are starting for us. So maybe he was a little bit lost with that format. And, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, was, I was hoping to see a little bit more. And, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait for a couple of pre-season games and hopefully we'll see a bit more of him from there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, like, he, he didn't get too much of the ball, but I thought when he did get it, um, he sort of looked, he looked fairly composed and, like, he put a few on, uh, put a few good tackles in and has a pretty good kick. I think it's a bit hard to judge him on just the game today because last year he was quite good in the SNFL. Yeah. Yeah. Once he gets the ball, he's fantastic. It's just a matter of him getting more of the ball, I think. And once he can do that, he'll definitely push for AFL selection. And I really hope he plays this week um, on the weekend in the NAB game. Because I want to see him against a, a proper opponent, I guess you'd say. Well, look, let's talk about uh, the third and final week of our team previews, where we look at every team in the AFL and, and see what uh, we're going to face when we come up against them uh, in 2015. We're up to Richmond. Um, who, of course, we played in that fantastic elimination final last year, a 57-point win. And we also lost by 20 points to them in round 17 last year. We played them once this year um, in round eight at home. Um, what are we expecting from Richmond? Box of chocolates. Much of a muchness. They yeah. they didn't really bring in anyone this year, did they? No, they brought in Taylor Hunt. He's probably the, the most ready-to-go player. Um, and then Nathan Drummond looks all right. Uh, a couple of kids. Um, they didn't really lose too many players that, that had a big influence over their, their game, except for maybe Daniel Jackson. He's a bit of a loss for them. Um, but look, I, I think they've still got a, a great young list. Um, they've got a fantastic midfield group and a strong defensive group. 
Um, for me, it's just a matter of coaching and whether Hardwick can get them uh, a little bit further into the finals. Yeah, it'll be all internal improvement this year. I think their I think their gap is their their top end players are fantastic, and their bottom end, bottom end players there's probably too much of a gap. Yeah. And their top end players like um, Delidio and Martin can flake in and out a little bit too often, so that causes them to have that consistency issue. And I guess the problem for Hardwick is what he's in his fourth year now. Um, you know, he probably should have achieved more with what he's had and he hasn't been able to and has that maybe created a, a bit of a bad culture within that playing group which might infiltrate again. But, I mean, they're one that could finish top four or bottom four, bloody Richmond. You just don't know what you're going to get. You never know. No, that's right. I think they need uh, some more support up forward. Rewalt's a fantastic forward, as we know. Um, Vickery, I think, gets a bit of a hard knock for his output. I think he actually kicks quite a lot of goals. Um, but they do need someone else up there. Maybe uh, Liam McBean might be able to star this year. He's kicked a lot of goals in the VFL. Who? <laughs> so, I knew that was coming. They, did you say they drafted Mr. Bean? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yes. No. Haven't heard of him. Mm. But yeah, Look, they, uh, I, I can't see them having a miracle uh, run home again like they did last year where they won, what was it, like nine or ten games straight to sneak into the finals. They've got a pretty tough run um, when you look at their fixture. They play North Melbourne, Frio, Essendon, Collingwood and Carlton twice, so there's probably not a lot of easy games there. What was their... Did they have a reason behind the really slow start? Did Was there problems in the preseason for them last year? Because their start was, was it three from ten or something? Yeah, I think it was even worse than that. I think it was like three from 12. Yeah, they, surely they would have identified the problem there. So they, they won't have that sort of start again this year. No, you wouldn't think so. I've got them finishing around you know, the 12-win mark and maybe coming into the finals uh, on percentage. Well, didn't Rewalt come out and criticise the coaching a bit like Michael Clark did this week after the New Zealand game? But wasn't he very cynical of what the coach's game plan was? And yeah, he said they were trying to copy Hawthorne too much, um, but they didn't really uh, nail it. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I mean, if they've found their niche and, and how they want to play football instead of trying to copy um, everyone else, then you never know. They've got the talent to, to go pretty far into the finals. Um. You know, it's just getting their headspace right. And I guess, uh, what what can we expect when we face them in 2015? Um, are we expecting a little bit of redemption uh, for the finals loss? Uh, well, they'll be pumped. They'll, they were embarrassed, weren't they? So they're going to, uh, they're going to be coming out uh, breathing fire. But look, I, I think we should be able to have their measure quite comfortably. Um, and I'll be disappointed if, if we don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I could stand losing to them. Um, but yeah, that in the nine-week winning run they had, they did play top four football for a bit there. So they, they yeah, they can dish up anything. Yeah, they do look like a final side at their best. Um, I'd, I'd be pretty confident of winning, um, but I, I can't see it being a thrashing like the final was. That was exceptional. It could be another thrashing. That would be fine. It would be fine. <laughs> All right, on to St Kilda, who won the Spoon last year. We played them once this year in round 18, again at home. and We played them once last year, which was a 70-point win when uh, Chad Wingard uh, took mark of the year. 
Um, they've made some significant changes to their list. They brought in Tim Membry. They obviously had the number one pick. They got Patrick McCartan. They got in Hugh Goddard. Um, Ahmed Saad's back. Um, but their outs are, are pretty significant as well. Uh, you're looking at sort of Clint Jones. Lenny Hayes is a massive loss. Uh, Reese Stanley, James Gwilt. And they've lost a lot of talent there. Yeah, yeah seven, the, 33 they, games of talent. they got the brains trust of Port Adelaide there, though, so surely they're going to be on an upward upward trajectory. Is that right? Have I got that right? I, I reckon they've got, they've got a really good core group of young players now, but they're very, very young. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to see them improving this year. I think uh, maybe next year and beyond... Um, they might be a little bit better. I, I can't really see them getting out of the bottom four this year. I think they're far too reliant on uh, Nick Rewalt, especially now that they've traded out their second-best key position forward as well. I like their young, talented midfield, but there's no real sort of tough old bodies to take the brunt of the work this year. Um, and I think they really need someone like uh, Spencer White or Patrick McCartan to step up this year and become a viable second-key position forward for them. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> Does anyone actually care about St Kilda? Is Not really. Team, is there a team less cared about than St Kilda other than maybe the Bulldogs? Yeah, probably, yeah. Maybe Melbourne? Maybe Melbourne, yeah. I mean, yeah. do they have any hope this year, really? Let's no, face the facts. No. I'm, I'm tipping bottom two again, and it wouldn't surprise me if they finish with the spoon again. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be pretty depressing for a uh, St Kilda supporter, but I guess the positive is that they're probably used to this sort of stuff, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's just about getting games into the kids this year. I mean, Jack Nunes is a fantastic young midfielder. Jack Stephen, again, is another fantastic young midfielder. Luke Dunson had a great first year last year. Um, you know, guys like Billings, um, maybe Curran Ross... Uh, Saunders, Longer in the ruck. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of talented kids. It's just about getting games into them and getting them up to sort of AFL standard. Yeah, it's it's a bit different to what it was when Melbourne were finishing bottom, is that if you're a St Kilda fan, you can actually see where the club's going because you've got this good group of players, whereas when Melbourne was struggling, you didn't really see any future at all with that playing group. Yeah. I mean, round 18 at home, you'd be hoping for a big win there on the eve of the finals. Slaughter. But we do don't handle the dew. Could be getting a bit dewy at that time of the year. Could be one of those sort of Essendon all over sort of games. Yeah, but Essendon are actually decent. Yeah, that's true. They weren't in um, they weren't in great form really when they came to us. I thought, and they still knocked us over. We. I'm just wondering if teams like St Kilda are going to go really ultra defensive, sort of like Melbourne did this year, and really try and flood. Um, around the ball uh, to try and slow down our movement. I don't know. Did, would you, if you're a fan, would you rather your team score thirty and you lose by thirty or forty, or your team scores seventy and you lose by twice as much? When you go when we go to the football, you want to see scoring. You don't want to see. You want entertainment. Team. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're losing, so long as you're getting entertained a little bit, then you sort of still got a reason to go to the footy. It's when you're getting absolutely thrashed and you're kicking five goals seven every game, and mm. that's when you sort of lose the will to live. Yeah, those. <laughs> well, look, on to Sydney, um, who are probably one of the most talked about teams this off-season as well. They've lost Nick Malczewski. Um, they haven't really brought in anyone else. They'll be hoping for a lot of improvement in their next batch coming through. 
Um, we lost both the games against them last year in round 14 and round 20. We played them twice this year. Um, the first game at home, round two, um, and then round 14 away as well. Um, it seems to be quite a wide range of opinions on where Sydney are going to finish this year. I think they're going to be right up the top um, and probably my pick for the premiership this early on. Um, but a lot of people think that they'll start their downward spiral this year. Oh, I think they've still got too much depth. I think that's what you're leaning to, Macca. And any team that's got Buddy Franklin in it, if he's fit, is going to be a very hard team to beat. I mean, look, I've still got nightmares from what he did to us at the uh, SCG, and he pretty much killed us that game and took the game away from us that we should have probably won. So, look, I'm with you. I reckon they might drop down a little bit, and they might just be short of making the grand final, but they're... They're a well-oiled machine. They're still very strong, and Malcheski's going to hurt them not being there. But overall, I think they're they're still going to be around the place. Yeah, I reckon they're a lot, in my opinion, top four still. Um, I think it's a bit of a misconception, like how close close to the cliff they are. Like teams like Frio, for my opinion, are a lot closer to yeah. dropping away than Sydney. Yeah. I'd agree. There's the conception that. Um, that because they got thrashed in the grand final, a lot of teams that get thrashed in the grand final struggle a little bit the following year. But I think it's actually going to help them out. And, you know, they'll be pretty dirty about that result, especially their midfield where they got absolutely thrashed. Um, you know, midfield of Kennedy, Parker, McVeigh, Jack, Hannabury, Jetta, you know, Bird. I mean, they just keep coming and coming. They're all stars. It's a pretty young midfield group except for McVeigh. Um, you look at their forward line with Franklin and Tippett up there. I mean, they're going to be super hard to beat again. I mean, let's, or just rattle off what their starting midfield would be. Well, you'd be looking at Kennedy, Parker, Jack, Hanbury, and Jetta. That's, that's a bloody good... <laughs> it's a pretty mean midfield, isn't it? That is a bloody good midfield. You know? And at the SCG, predominantly, uh, feeding it to um, Tipper and Franklin. Tipper still plays, doesn't he? He hasn't quit or anything? No. Soft cockleitis, anything like that? No. No, yeah, and so I mean, feeding it down to the forward line from their their small um, their small oval, they're, they're going to be a hard team. Yeah, absolutely. They'll need they'll need more coming through from their second stringers and third stringers, guys like uh, Brendan Jack, Dean Towers, Zach Jones, um, Nankifus. They'll they'll be hoping that these guys push through and make a name for themselves in uh, two thousand and fifteen. Do you reckon Isaac Heaney will be able to force himself into the team this year, or? I think they'll be hoping so. I think he's injured at the moment, which is a bit disappointing because I was really hoping to see him in the NAB Cup. But um, I think their their plan was to play him off a half-back flank. Um, and I think if he's fit, he'll definitely get games, a lot of games. Because, yeah, I was doing a little bit of reading about him and Melbourne actually tried to get him with pick two this year. But because he's an academy player, Sydney had first choice at him. So, yeah. like, he, he would have been a top three draft pick if it was all fair dinkum. Yeah, a lot of people are calling him the most complete player in the draft this year. So they got an absolute steal getting him. No wonder Eddie's kicking up a fuss. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, look, the two games we play against them this year, what are we expecting? One all. One all? Yeah, that sounds fair. I think it's reasonable. I think I'd be biased and one-sided if I said 2-0 our way. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we can walk away one all, I mean, we were right in it with Adelaide Oval um, last season, and we just were in that real flat spot and just couldn't drive our way through it. But it's sort of 
that game sort of showed me that we were on the way back too. We we weren't far off from where we were. So I think you know when we play them early, don't we? Round two or round two, yeah. And so I think we're going to be up and firing, and they're notoriously bad starters. I mean, what they lost to coming from the second team was GWS and someone last year. So um, yeah, I would imagine that we we should be able to catch them on the hop in round two, and then obviously. The second game is just going to be, well, how good are we and how good are they at the time? Yeah. That's it. Well, look, let's talk about West Coast, the Eagles. We played them at uh, at home as well in round six. Uh, we played them once last year, which was a 14-point win away from home in round five. Um, they've lost two fantastic players in Dean Cox and, uh, and Darren Glass, and sadly they've also lost uh, uh, McKenzie for the season as well with a knee injury. Um, so they're looking like that they might struggle this year, especially in terms of toll support. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a strange thing. There was a couple of years ago they were touted to finish top four, but it's just they they sort of lack a midfield a bit. I don't know. They've got the Brownlow medalist, but they still their midfield just to me just seems a bit hollow. It is. They're, they're all sort of one paced and they're all pretty similar to each other. They lack. You know, they lack skills on the outside and, yeah, I don't know, their midfield, it should be better than what it is. Yeah, they're just a little bit underperforming, aren't they? They they were touted as one of the best midfields only a couple of years ago and then they just fell off a cliff at the click of a finger and, um, yeah, they just haven't sort of been a get back up. But they've got great names there, but something just isn't gelling. So, and on with you, Macker, I think it's a bit of a worry, the injury plus the retirements of a couple of key players... Uh, especially Darren Glass. I mean, he was a great captain and a great player for them. And is he one of those players that sort of kept everyone else accountable in the team unit? And uh, and will that change the dynamic of the of the West Coast team? So it's going to be interesting to see how they they go at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be tempted to say that Darren Glass and Dean Cox uh, were the top three in the top three defenders and Ruckman in the competition last year. And, yeah, they're losing them in the same year while not really picking much else up on ins. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard to see them really challenging this I year. I can't see them making the finals. I've got them a similar sort of spot to this year. Maybe nine or ten wins and somewhere between sort of 11th and 14th. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. And I think we should be able to win, uh, what do you say, about two games uh, against one, them? I think. One? Well, we should be able to win that game. Well, oh, we've got two, two, including the preseason, yeah. I guess. Well, look, the final team, Western Bulldogs, they have gone through probably the biggest transformation of any club in the AFL this year. We played them twice, uh, round 10 at home, round 19 away. Uh, we played them once last year, which is uh, in round 14, where we won by 72 points at home. And we've actually lost eight of the last 10 games against the Dogs, so that's probably something that needs to change as well. But you look at the players that they've lost this year. I mean, it's just a who's who of, uh, of dogs footy, really. I mean, they've lost their captain Griffin. They've lost Sean Higgins, Adam Cooney, Gene Syracuse, um, Jones, who played a lot of games for them up forward, Jason Tutt, and lost Williams as well to retirement. Um, but they've brought in Tom Boyd. They've got Biggs from Sydney. They've got Cordy Hamling um, and a bunch of kids. Um, I mean, that's just a lot of changes. It's hard to see where they're going to gel together. Yeah, it's a long-term vision when it comes to the Western Bulldogs. 
Well, they're not going to gel together. Did, did they have some sort of cultural issue there, um, which is which caused this exodus? It's very, it's very strange. Um, it was almost sort of like the cleansing that Matty Primus was trying to do, but wasn't allowed to allowed to do it. Port Adelaide. I guess you'd um, say they've got rid of a quite a few sort of uh, or quite a bit of dead weight. I mean, Cooney's sort of old and got injury issues, and Higgins always sort of injured. Griffin's probably the the biggest loss for them there. Um, but you know, I mean, they got arguably the best, you know, young key position forward um, out of it. So you never know. I mean, the sad thing for them is that they've lost Liber um, as well to another knee injury. So they've pretty much lost their starting midfield from last year. Yeah, it's 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 hard for uh, to see it for Bulldogs fan. Really, they've lost over a thousand games experience this year on out. It's just mm. yeah, scary. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna struggle. I mean, I'm interested to see how Boyd goes. I mean, when we were struggling, it, it was it was sort of the trade play that I was hoping for because uh, we I thought we really needed to bring in a a massive key forward. Um, obviously, Hoff's picked up his game, and and Schultz has been a legend, so it's sort of covered that a little bit. But um, yeah, I could see where the Bulldogs were coming from with that trade of Boyd, and I mean it's a big roll of the dice to be paying someone so much um, for such an experience. But he's a big unit, and uh, yeah, that's one thing I will be interested to see with their side. One one thing Tom Boyd will bring to the Bulldogs is hope for the fans. And the other one's Bontem Pelly. I mean, what a gun player is he! I love watching that kid play. You know, yeah, I mean. It was Mish was talking about him two um, seasons ago, wasn't it? Mackin? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, and he and he was he raved highly of him, and you know he he, uh, he showed us last year some of his skills. Um, he was an amazing uh, amazing player for a young player. So yeah, like you like you said, Schultz, he's going to have the um, the supporters are just going to have to look for the youth and the and the optimism that. They'll produce it a few years, but I think they're going to be in for a few hidings as well. I think they, similar to St Kilda, they've got a lot of very, very classy, very, very good kids. Um, it's sad about Liberatore, but they've got Jack McRae, who just had a super season last year. You look at guys like Dalhouse, um, then sort of guys like Bontempelli. Jake String has got a lot of talent. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. Even uh, some younger guys like Lockie Hunter and, and Nathan Rovat as well. Uh, they've got a lot of talent there. It's just about putting it together. Um, and finding a system that works for them, they need to find probably another key forward, um, which Boyd will help uh, will help with, um, and maybe some class down back as well. Would you would you say their younger players are the best of the bottom four sides? I would say so. They've they've definitely shown the most at this point. Still, probably a bit early to tell though, isn't it? It's one of those things you need you need to look back at season four and and then go well, yeah that. That player's really come on, um, you know. It's uh, but yeah, look, they they've got promising players, and I'm just shattered for Liberatore because he's a great player, you know. And and all the players that have done knee injuries uh, so early. I heard Peter Larkin on the radio earlier today, and and he was saying he's been following the trends of the knee injuries, and and basically 75% of AFL footballers' knee injuries come by before round 11. So, um, you know, this is the time for whatever reason that they, they get them, and, but it's never a good thing. So, and that's going to be hurtful for the Bulldog team because he's such an influential player. 
a lot of players came out on Twitter and put their condolences to Liberatore a bit, sort of sympathising with him. Well, you, you never want to see star players go down. Doesn't matter how popular or how hated they are, you, you don't want to wish you on anybody. And um, yeah, it's it's not good for the game when the best players aren't out there playing. That's what we want to see. Definitely. But we should beat the Bulldogs quite comfortably, and I'd be disappointed if we uh, if we don't. They are a bit of a bogey side, but I'd be expecting two wins as well. Footy is back. Footy's yes. Back. We play West Coast at Nord Oval on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Matthew Nix is coaching. Uh, Rick, what do you think about that? Who? Matthew Nix. No, I'm AJ. I'm AJ. I, what do I think? I'm thinking I'm going to vomit that I have to potentially go to Nord Oval um, to watch Port Adelaide play West Coast. But I think it's good. I um, I think it's great. It's it's good humility by Ken to not be insecure about his position. He's got no reason to be insecure anyway. I mean, I think he'd, they, he'd almost get the keys to the Port Adelaide City the way he's going. Um, but it's a great opportunity for him just to sort of sit back and reflect. And we all talk about um, people picking Ken's IP, so to speak, and, and he's training all these people up to potentially leave us um, but it gives him an opportunity to sit back and maybe see something that the other coaches do and go, hey, you know what, I never thought about it that way. And so it's going to help him harness his um, coaching skill as well. And it doesn't matter who and what we are, we can only, we all can learn and become better. It doesn't matter what age it is. So, and I think it's a good trust, show of sign of trust in Matthew to say, you know what, uh, regardless of what happens, we want to help you refine our skills. And we lost Richo. Two seasons ago, Walsh a season ago, or this season. Um, you know, if we lose Matthew Nix, well, what it means is what a lot of Port supporters have been saying is that Port Adelaide is a breeding ground for good coaches, as we have in the last 20 years, and um, we'll, we'll just means we're a more attractive uh, destination for quality coaches to come to, a la Michael Voss wanting to come and uh, re-harness his skills in the AFL system. So I applaud the decision and, and look forward to seeing what he Spot can on. do. It feels it feels a lot better than the end of 2012 when we couldn't find a coach. <laughs> That's it. No more Absolutely. coaching by Skype, which is great. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of that stuff's driven by the media as well, isn't it? You know, the, the media wants to uh, sort of kick a dog when it's down if they can, and uh, Port Adelaide was the whipping boy back then. And and if a coach is too much of a coward to want to take a side because or coach a side because they're not performing poorly. Or sorry, they're performing poorly, or they might have some apparent um, financial difficulties. Well, I think that's more a reflection of the weakness of the person with the decision they're making more than the footy club. And, and Ken shows strength in his decision making, and he's reaping the rewards as is the club right now. Well, what do we hope to see on uh, on Sunday evening? Do we hope to see a win? Um, thinking back last year against the Crows, we rested what fifteen or sixteen of our of our best team in NAB one uh, last year. Do we think we'll see the same thing? Uh, this time around? No. I, I think we'll, we'll play a stronger side and um, I don't think, and I think from the media reports we'll play a weaker side in, in round two. But what I'm hoping to see is a very aggressive Port Adelaide. And when I say aggressive, I mean aggressive at the body. Uh, I think now our players are physically mature and I made a comment to you on Friday, Macca, that you can really see now that 
all our players are, are thicker, not only through the core, but our upper body, our chest and shoulders. So, you know, they've all been in the system for four, three, four, five years. And so they're developing that muscle mass in their upper body. So this is the time for our playing group as a whole now to actually start intimidating some more sides and be willing to be physical. And it doesn't matter if it's a pre-season game. Um, I'm really hoping to see a physical aggression at the body, which will then result in us winning the ball and extracting the ball. Well, we need to hit the ground running pretty much. We've got such a big start to the season, so many uh, huge, crucial games, um, which will determine where we finish. Um, we really need to hit the ground running, and you know what better time to start than this one? I want to see a couple of young kids play, though. I really want to see more from Carl Amon. I want to see Archie get a go. Um, Tom Cleary as well down back. I'd love to see him get some uh, decent game time. Um, and also butcher up forward. I guess, I guess one way you could look at it is that um, with injuries to Wingard and uh, Trangrove at the moment, it sort of opens up that window of opportunity for a few players. So they might be trying to prove themselves that, hey, look at me, it's I'm doing pretty well. Um, pick me for round one. Let those guys have a ex- little bit of rest. Yep. So there'll yep. be a few going for it. Well, you think what? It would be Homsch, Cleary... Alapade, the the three key defenders for this game. Oh, it would be Jonas, wouldn't it? I would, it would think be so. Jonas, Honch, and Alapade, and and Cleary the spare. Uh, I think we might rest Jonas and play Cleary. Yeah. Well, he's a very physical player, isn't he, Jonas? So it wouldn't it, it yeah. wouldn't hurt resting his body. I mean, I don't think he's going to get too much if he's playing or not playing the preseason games. And it'll be interesting. I'd like to see Cleary actually have a run in the midfield. Yeah, that was probably the disappointing part about Friday was uh, was he just didn't get any midfield time. We've heard that he's been training with the midfield group, um, but he was pretty much stuck at full back for the whole evening. Yeah, well, we had the um, um, we still had the core midfielders in that practice we match, did. didn't we? So I'd imagine our key players like Robbie Gray. Maybe Travis Boak won't be playing. Um, so that means our re- midfield rotations will be a little bit down and so that will open up opportunities for, uh, for Tom to run through there, I guess. So what, what, who will be the key forwards? I, I wouldn't expect Jay Schultz to be playing. I reckon Westhoff might play, though. I think we'll play Westhoff, Schultz and Butcher. Yeah, I'd really like to see Butcher in a pressure situation at like uh, sort of higher level than SANFL. Do you reckon Kane will be playing? Mitchell, yes. Yes, I do. Hmm. <laughs> probably not. No, I think they'll probably rest Corns and play him next week instead. Well, I mean, he's such a fit individual. He could probably just come in for round three. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really need to... Uh... Well, I guess it's important to get sort of up to game pace straight away, but, you know, with him, you know it's going to happen anyway, so... There's no harm in resting him. Hopefully we get a good crowd down there, down at Norwood. Uh, traditional home ground of the <laughs> Cooper Stadium in the eastern suburbs. No, nah, it's good. We need to get a bit of a presence in the eastern suburbs. Thank you very much, <laughs> AFL, for uh, <laughs> this fixture. And our arch rivals well, what you guys, you guys, You guys didn't really make a comment when I quickly went on about it. Do you... Is it an issue to you, or do you think it's, uh, you know, is it suitable? Uh, is there much benefit us taking it to the parade? If you're a port supporter living around Norwood Way, is it that much of an inconvenience to travel to um, It's Alan? just the AFL sharing it around, that's all it is. 
Well, we played at Alberton last I, year. We played at Richmond Oval last year. This year, we're playing at Nord. That's all it is. Initially, I was a little bit sceptical, but I think it's actually quite a wise decision because I think on that section of the city, our membership base is about 5%. So if we can get a few down there to watch the game, it's it's better for a few yeah. yeah, membership and everything. I'm not convinced. It's, are you going to send... Are you going to send Essendon down and calling Victoria Park to play their a home game? No, not really. Uh, I just think the benefit to us as a footy club having the fixture at Albert and Oval from a financial perspective uh, would out is a lot more beneficial and would outweigh the benefit of uh, trying to harness a couple of extra members from around the eastern suburbs. Uh, I don't think playing there is going to make any difference. So it's not like it's a massive travel time. Uh, I, I can see the benefits in playing down south at Norlunga or Victor, um, where you know it is an hour and an hour and a half drive to get there, and so it is a bit more of an inconvenience to people. Um, but yeah, playing playing at the parade, uh, yeah. And I'm, look, but I hope the comments I've seen online from people saying, well, they're not going to go because it's at Norwood Oval. Uh, I hope people can look past that. It is, because at the end of the day, uh, our footy team needs our support. And you know what? If you're that adamant about not wanting to support Norwood, just don't buy anything there. Bring a hip hip flask or a a water bottle or whatever and a snack and and just take your own goodies. I can care less where we play. I just want to see us play. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for footy. Two rows. We will see you at the ground. Awesome. Catch you then. Get on the pair. Give it a The ball across towards a teammate. Ritz hand pass though. Slapped. But now needs away. Everything falling into place. Need the beneficiary running down towards the 50. Lines up. Bacon goal square. How about this? This is breathtaking. <laughs>